connections and mobile points near subway stations in the cities. You're busy making plans for New Year's Eve, then you might find our weather forecast useful for deciding what to do. Forecasters are warning revelers in Moscow to wrap up and warm and avoid getting too merry as thousands prepare to head to Red Square for what could be a very cold and probably snowless New Year's Eve. Temperatures are expected to drop to minus 12 degrees Celsius. Moscow International Currency Association is moving forward with plans to add a new holiday to mark Russian Ruble Day as an official holiday. The proposed date is the 1st of July when the Soviet ruble was replaced with the Russian Ruble in 1992. A burst of heavy wet snow is expected over the weekend, so plan on slippery road conditions. A burst of heavy snow could produce poor visibility. Although pavement temperatures will be about freezing, snowfall could produce a slushy accumulation of the roads, especially untreated elevated roadways. Overnight temperatures will drop up to minus 9 degrees Celsius. Three points out of a possible ten on the roads. The sour driving time to and from Vnukova Airport is about one hour and 20 minutes both ways. 15 minutes to Shremich, about the same to the city over and out of the Mazia Dwam. One hour and 25 minutes from the airport to the city centre. 14 degrees Celsius in Rome, 27 in Rio de Janeiro, 11 in Paris. It is cloudy here in Moscow. The temperature is standing at minus one degree Celsius. That's it from me, Yule Mokova. Do stay tuned for more. Capital FM, Moscow. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. Capital. Capital FM. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. Welcome one and all to uh, your midweek highlight. This is Capital Sports. I'm Alan Moore. And for the next hour here on Capital FM in the Nabarajan Tower, we have the very best news, views, reviews, previews and interviews in the world of sports. Now, before, before you gorge yourselves on our bounty of sports, I am beholden to introduce our Capital Sports crew. Our uh, very own Beavis and Butthead are here with me. So, Alex B. Kamoli Day. That is good. And Peter P. What a do, what a be, it's your boy, PDP. Very, very good, okay. The boys have not been uh, imbibing on anything, just on uh, good spirits here. And of course, the man who is to bookmakers and betting sites like Kokorin and Mamayev are to early morning diners. This is Mr. Andy McLean, how are you? <laughs> Happy Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, being the tunes and keeping us all in line, the very, very wonderful Miss DJ Nikki Stay. How are you, Nikki? Thank you. I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. Nikki, do you know what? I just realized that the last one year ago, okay, so guys, five, or not one year ago, five months ago, they say five months ago, the World Cup kicked off here in Moscow. And Nikki, we were on air just before, I think. Yes, the day before. There you go. So what a, I mean, I don't know. We had okay. a very special two-hour episode. Exactly. It was the best. So... This is going to be just as good. So we've got the following feast of fun for you, plus a prize, big, big prize giveaway. So we've got Russian and English Premier League roundups because, of course, this is International Week, so there's no domestic football. Uh, we'll have a look, of course, at the International Week in football. Big, big rugby results have just happened, and we'll have some uh, more coming up this weekend ahead of the World Cup, which will take place in Japan next year. And we'll also talk about sports documentaries. So, which ones are your favourite? And that, that, my dear friends, that is the basis of 
uh, our prize giveaway today. So send in plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. What are your favourite sports documentaries? What do you like to watch? Why you should watch it? And basically, if you have like a nice as like as I do, a boring, boring Friday night sit at home, what's worth sticking on the uh, internet to have a look at? So uh, our prize giveaway is two thousand ruble voucher for food and drink to Katie O'Shea's on Machavaya. So before going further, uh, Andy, number one, your first sports documentary. What is it? I actually feel quite sad now. You, you you're alone Friday night. Oh, every Friday night. I don't even wash my hair. I don't even have that excuse. I don't even have hair to wash, almost. I was going to say no comment on yeah, that. Yeah, okay, okay. All right. Before it's a nice beard. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'll start to comb up instead of comb over, you know. Okay, so quickly, quickly, what's your, what's your um, sports commentary? The most recent one that stands out for me where I actually ha- have really struggled to hold back tears was uh, Senna. Okay, the but tw- the 2010 one, uh, the... The, the director did an incredible job with it. He's actually now doing a, um, a documentary on the life of Diego Maradona, That's the Argentinian football. A, an, another tragedy. Of yeah, or tragedy in the making. Well, not tragedy, quite as already. tragic. Not yet. quite as tragic, but it's, it's getting there. Okay. Well, um, listen, as a major treat as well, here on our wonderful show this evening, we have our man in Siberia, Mr. Andrew Flint. He is joining us live uh, all the way uh, from, from Two Men. And he's going to discuss the Manchester Derby, which, of course, is this past weekend, as well as uh, Ari, Ari, our good friend Ari, his call up for the Russian national team. And in the third segment, we will have Alexander Zotov, of course. He will be on with us to, to basically, well, I'm going to ask my question why should players protest about playing in such cold conditions because I mean you know even last weekend of course we were down in Veronish uh, yeah Alex is saying that it was very very cold last weekend of course he was well, well wrapped up I was wearing shorts uh, so Alex and Peter and I of course we were down the countryside in Veronish we played in a two capitals cup we won of course we won by five points we were playing Gaelic football boys did you enjoy it oh yeah of course we did yeah it's Gaelic mean, football how can you not enjoy Gaelic football exactly and Andy you should have seen Alex scored two points. Two points. I mean, and, and the best thing was, uh, do you remember the karate kid? Do you remember yeah. the crane kick? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, wax on, wax off, and the crane kick? That's how we do. That's, how, that's how we he like knocked over two points. Too. So yeah. that tactical switch out to the left and the crane kick, you know, perhaps one day there'll be a documentary about that. I think, hey. yeah, yeah, yeah. Alex the crane boy. Okay, <laughs> and, and Peter, of course, he scored a point as well, and he also got manhandled to the ground and on the ground as well by... Was that three. during the game? Was it during the game, Raptor? During. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thought about that for a moment, Peter. You I did. Think I mean, another I, incident. I, 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 almost did, I almost did after, but let's keep it. Uh, let's keep it down, so to say. Well, I did put them on the train on Saturday night and sent them home. So whatever happened on the Platzkart, you know, I'm <laughs> like, you know, keep that about, to yourself. Please. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about squealing and pigs and so on, but we'll let's leave that there, right? <laughs> Andy knows what that is, and he's laughing, right? Um, so very, very quickly. On that, I have a little story. I told you guys, it, not about you guys, what you guys did, but what happened after. So, of course, uh, most of our people came back up um, in the late train, but really kind of divided. So, some people came back from an early train and some in the late train. So, of course, the, mo- the next morning, I got up, I made sure everyone's up ready. I said, okay, get your breakfast and get the train. So, a bunch of them, I think seven of them, went to get the early train. They got a taxi and I said, you need to be leaving at 10.40 at the, at the latest. So, they all got their taxis, got to the train station. They had to wait for the train to come. <laughs> there was no train. <laughs> and then they realised that it was from the other train station in Veronish. <laughs> and then the question was, just two train stations in Veronish? Well, okay. So they found it. There's actually three. But anyway, um, so then they, they, they went. They couldn't get another train. So they went and actually had to fly home. So while we were on the train that, that afternoon coming home, Damn. they sent us a picture <laughs> so, of them coming home on the train. 
So, uh, for all our guys, I mean, someone who listening tonight, you should be fully ashamed of yourselves because we did tell them it's not from the train station we came into, it's from the other side of the river. So, there you go. Right. Uh, all right. Russia playing Germany. Uh, they've never beaten Germany. Never beaten Germany. Well, in football. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, no. <laughs> Why did you start to laugh? I'm, they beat them in handball and ice hockey, but they've never beaten them in football. Right. They've never beaten them in football. They've, they've had a draw, haven't they? They've had at least a couple of draws. Um, so, you know, Andy, what, what's the chance of Russia at least like, coming away from this with, with, uh, with a draw? I think the last time they got a result being a draw was 2005. Um, Germany have obviously gone through a, going through a bit of a, a low point for international football. It's a friendly, you never know. Russia have started their um, UEFA Nations League very well. There's always a chance, but I'd be a little bit worried that the uh, the squad's a bit thin, a bit bare, really. I mean, it's good to see Chaloff, I think, getting a chance as striker. But yeah, I, I he's in great form this year as well. I think um, I think Germany will edge it. Yeah, I mean, even though Germany right now they're in danger of being relegated from the top tier of the, the Nations League, they're they're, they're play, playing pretty bad at the moment. So if there's a time to play this German team, it's now. Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you could flip that round and say this is perhaps the worst time to be playing them because they're all out to prove a, a, a big point that they're not going to keep slipping down this slope at the moment. I mean, I I, I, I have to refrain from going all kind of like. Um, you know, archetypal and sort of like these stereotypes from from Germans. But do you do you reckon though that no that they like that they never give up efficiency? They, yeah, they fight till the very end and so on. But um, I mean, but have they, they don't seem to have that strength and depth like they did before. They, they they do have very good players. But even you know, looking at the domestic league, I mean, I've been watching quite a lot of the Bundesliga this season, and the German players playing the Bundesliga. I mean, you know, I don't see what's coming through because even if you look at Bayern Munich. They're an absolute crisis. They're going to get what you call it. What's the baldy fellow who headbutted the uh, Italian in the World Cup final? Zidane is going to go up and take over uh, Bayern Munich for Niko Kovac. I mean, that's insane what's going on in Germany. I think they've got some, some exciting players coming through, but when it comes to playing them on, on the international stage, they can't seem to find a system that can really get them all playing together. I mean, you've got the likes of Gundogan who can fit into all sorts of roles at Manchester City but doesn't quite seem to gel with his national team. Mesut Ozil goes in spits and spurts. Sammy Kadira has been all sort of all over the place really for the last couple of years. He plays one game um, absolutely incredibly, and then the next week he just doesn't show He's up. Very very inconsistent, yeah. Um, and they're missing sort of I don't know what it is. They're, they're missing a Balak. They're missing a closer. They're missing a, a Matthias Sammer. Someone who when when their when their socks have gone down. Someone to pull them back up again and, and, and get them. Them. Yeah, you know, I know, I, but, but there's always been like where it's uh, Lothar Mateus who will basically, you know, start to be an engine in there and start to like to drive it. Um, a lot of very very skillful footballers. I mean, Eric Stoff, so I spoke was here about that as well, where they have some very very talented players. But you know, if you look at Ozil and so on, and all the mess that he made about like being ra- you know, kind of target by racists and so on within the club or within the the, the setup. I mean, pure and utter nonsense. But you know that a lot of a lot of guys feel now. You know, yeah, there was something division. not quite right there because obviously Leroy Sanner as well had had a falling out, and we, we, no one was really quite sure what was said or what happened. But obviously, there's something that's divided the camp, and it, it's having a serious effect on what the, the results they're they're not getting. Maybe it should be maybe Joachim has to to leave. 
I think maybe just uh, some fresh blood because I mean there is a cycle uh, there is a, a shelf life shall we say for, for managers in, in any case you know, unless you're like Alex Ferguson or something yeah and in, in, in the international arena it's so much difficult to repair because you only see the players once every few months and then you're with them for training sessions for a week and then you've got two games then they're back to their, their clubs again Exactly, so you lose them. Okay, uh, Peter, you have a couple of tasty matches that we should be looking out for. So, where are they and what times? Well, of course, I was going to mention uh, uh, Russia-Germany game. And uh, I would like to see the World Cup winners, France and uh, Uruguay, battle it out as well. That's a friendly game. That's in, in yeah. Paris, isn't it? Or? Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, well, and Andy is showing me that I, sh I should mention the Ireland and Northern Ireland game. Oh my goodness! It's, it's the battle of Brexit. The battle of Brexit. Well, yeah, I, mean, actually, I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up, but I don't know how we know you. Yeah, yeah, you, you want it again. <laughs> yeah, it's dark outside, and you have a long walk home. Right. Well, of course. No, I mean, we've we've only played. It's the eleventh time we've played. I mean, we're neighbours. We've we've only played ten times. Uh, four draws and four wins for Republic of Ireland, um, and it comes almost. What is it? Uh, Ninety-four. So Gary Kelly. No, 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 the no. Gary Kelly goal was no, it in the game Alan of McLaughlin. Alan McLaughlin. No, no, Alan McLaughlin when it was one-one um, before the ninety-four World Cup ninety-three. Well, is it is it is it going to be like uh, like is it going to be in like in a hostile environment or like is everything's no, going to no, be? No, it'll, it'll be there. As far as I know, it's, it's in Dublin, so it should be fairly okay. Because I I do remember it was March ninety-three would have been when uh, we played it was qualifying for the World Cup in USA in ninety-four, and. Um, of course, the the Republic of Ireland team were on a bit of a high. They qualified for 1988 uh, European Championships, 1990 World Cup, and were doing very, very good. I had a great generation of players coming through, with Jack Charlton leading them. And um, in in March '93, we beat them three 0 in Dublin, and it could have been ten 0 because they were really, you know, it was uh, it, we were just so much better than them, you know. And uh, the the whole thing came about where our fans, idiot fans, and some officials started saying there's only one team in Ireland which really insulted the Northerners because they were always better than us, always, always better than us. So anyway, long story short, come up then to, it would have been October 93, so six months later, and uh, a bomb goes off in a Protestant uh, chip shop or fish shop and people are killed, shanked the bombing, including one of the bombers. Um, and okay, then a, a, a few weeks later in November, there's the guys are watching the Ireland team play and these gunmen walk in to a, a Catholic bar, well, a mixed bar, shall we say, Greysteel, and murder eight people and wow. shoot them dead. So, with that background, this game was being played. So, you know, uh, then it was 1-1 one, one up in Belfast. Northern Ireland scored. Ireland needed at least a draw. Northern Ireland scored. A great goal, 1-0. We're all thinking, sitting watching on TV going, oh, this is, this, is not, this is not good. We need to win this, or at least get a draw. And um, the fans, even the Northern Ireland manager, who was a legendary guy, it was his last ever game coaching, um, were so hostile. I mean, the, the language being used, like one of our players who was English-born, but was Irish-born, uh, Andy Townsend, people started saying, like, hope your mother dies of cancer, you're an English, blah, blah, blah. I mean, the most disgusting hatred that just flowed out, flowed out. Like we were talking last week with James, yeah. James McLean. Yeah. That was happening then. Um, um. We, we won one, one, and went to the USA, and the rest is history. But uh, it won't be like that this time. So that, that's kicking off on Thursday at 10.45 Moscow time. But uh, I think they're, they're two decent teams. Now our fans are okay together, but still, in Northern Ireland, football, soccer, is more of a Protestant thing, and it's still ruled by the Protestant class. So it's very difficult for Catholics. Okay, sorry. You have another game? Talk 
Uh, actually, no. No, okay. All right, okay. Alex, okay, Alex. What's you? Okay, tell us. Uh, well, Uruguay at Brazil on Friday at 11 p.m. And Ooh. Mexico at Argentina at 3 a.m. There's a lot of lethal Mexico teams coming out Oh, that's all. Yes, yes, yes. Right. That's okay. That's a good one. Because I know Switzerland, they have kicked off against Qatar. It's 10 minutes in. It's nil-nil between Mex uh, Switzerland and Qatar. Okay. Andy, for, for that game, um, Ireland-Northern Ireland, I mean, they're, they're two not really great sides, are they? Uh, yeah, this they, this is probably the most disappointing spell that they've both had in, in, in a number of years, if you think that they both qualified for the Euros. Um, Northern Ireland have really struggled. I think they've only pick, picked up one win in, in, in five or more games. And Republican I Republic of Ireland. Republican have, Ireland, that's a different one. <laughs> yeah. Um, have have been getting battered and even when they've been playing well, they they've conceded sloppy goals and sl slipped away. Points have slipped away, yeah. Okay. Uh, so we're gonna to go to the break in just one moment. So again, send in your favorite sports documentary. What is it and why do you like it? Plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. You can send it in by pigeon even as well. We'll eat the pigeon afterwards, of course. Right. Uh, we're going to get to the break with a very, very good song because we're going to come back with uh, Andrew Flint. Uh, this song, it'll get you dancing on this cold Moscow evening. It is, I was going to say Freddie Mercury, it's David Bowie and Mick Jagger and Dancing in the Streets. We'll be back after this. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
Hey, this is Becky Hayes. Listen to the BCM Radio Show every Friday on Capital FM Moscow 105.3. Every Friday at 1am on Capital FM Moscow. I like the way you do your... Capital Commercial. Capital FM presents... On Air. 16 ноября, пятница, клуб ВАУ. Новая вечеринка из нашумевшей серии On Air. Специальный гость, звезда техно из Бразилии, Тер. А также президенты On Air и ведущие диджей Москвы. Сергей Санчес, Майк Спирит, Агроба, Лист, Бивойс, Дали, Александр Прохоров, Файн, Сандр Жуков. On Air. 16 ноября, пятница. Клуб ВАУ. Кутузовский проспект 12, строение 1. Начало в 23.00. Прямая трансляция в эфире Capital FM. Билеты на onair.moscow. 18+. Тысячи блинов нужно испечь, чтобы стать мастером блинопеком в теремке. И всего один нужно попробовать, чтобы его полюбить. Ведь домашний вкус, как настоящую любовь, ни с чем не спутаешь. Теремок. Вкусная работа в Москве. Okay, folks, we're back for part two of Capital Sports tonight. Uh, 90 minutes into that game between that barn burner, barn stormer between uh, Swiss and Qatar, still nil-nil. Okay, tomorrow night, of course, Ireland kicking off 10.45 against Northern Ireland. Same time, Germany in the uh, Leipzig arena where your boys, I think, didn't you play Leipzig in uh, Celtic, played Leipzig? Yeah, but we, we played them at home with yeah. a very important three points, otherwise we were out. Yeah, so, uh, so Leipzig, so they... Um, Uh, we have basically, yeah, so that's kicking off at 10.45 as well. There's the England-USA game. Now, I mentioned this uh, already uh, on Monday morning on the breakfast show. That England-USA game, that's, that, that's a pretty decent one because, I mean, that's the big Wayne Rooney, the big, big scandal. The, Ro- the Rooney bye-bye game, effectively, isn't it? Um, it, it, it seemed like the, they weren't selling out the tickets and they've um, decided to, to give it a bit of extra pizzazz. And... I'm I'm not against it. There's been a lot of negativity saying that Rooney shouldn't be a part of it because he's not in the squad anymore. But this is your all-time leading goal scorer ahead of some of the greatest people in the uh, most memorable you know, World Cup winners, etc. He is the top goal scorer for England, and I, I I think he does deserve a bit bit of a better send off because when he finished his career, he was it was kind of petering out. He was already yeah. starting to he's losing form. He was moving down, yeah, he's moving around. And yeah, why not? I mean, in, in all fairness, I mean, for everything that he's gone through and everything he's, let's say, suffered because he's, you know, being from Liverpool and the whole of it, he is looked down upon. He is looked down upon. Correct? Yeah. Looked, like, um, socially. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he was, it, people forget when he started his career, he was actually, um, what, fifth, was he 15 and... 15th against Arsenal, I think it was. I remember when, I just, when, in, in when he scored the absolute, two. yeah, when he scored the absolute screamer that. against David Seaman, where he 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 broke through and just like he was only a little small little, shall we fella? Yeah, he like, was a bulldog effectively, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. he? he was, um, yeah, I'm, he's had such a long career and he seems to have found a new lease of life back in, uh, over in the US. So. Good on him. Why not? Yeah, that's good. Listen, just before we 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 have Andrew Flint, uh, Flint on the phone, phone <laughs> Flint on the phone. Uh, before we do. Um, Three, three Brazilians now uh, lined up with uh, Russia. Ari, Guillermo and Fernandes. What do you reckon, Andy? I mean, do we expect maybe a couple of Scots to start lining up for Russia as well? I, th- I think I've hung my boots up a long time ago. I'm sorry, you're not referring to me. <laughs> um, 
I think looking at the four strikers that Russia have picked, Harry deserves to be there. I think he's the most in form out of all of them. You look at, um, uh, uh, sorry, excluding Chaloff. But if you look at the other two, Polos and Zabalotny, I mean, Polos hasn't really done anything I think he, I think particularly he's, he's this season. Player, but he's quite weak. I mean, I wouldn't... I, th- I, wouldn't, uh, I think he, he was more useful as a number 10 than a number 9, and Russia don't play that system. And then you've got Zabalotny, who's mainly sat on the bench and just watched Zuba score the odd goal here and there for yeah. Zenit. And why is he there? I don't get it. He's 27. He's only ever had one good season in the Russian Premier League. I think League. you have to look to see who his agent is. And well, I'll leave that there. I'll leave right that, there. Yeah, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave that it hanging. You. And just see what relationship his agent has to Mr. Churchesov. Right, folks, you can make of that as you wish. But, of course, that's where it goes. We're going to go across to the phone um, right away. So, all the way to Tumen in Siberia. I hope he's nice and warm. Mr. Andrew Finn from Ronnie Dog Football. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad, fellas. Good to be back on. Yeah, listen, great to hear you. And, um, okay, first, I have to ask you, that... Derby at the weekend uh, is that oh, should God, that be should that to. listen should that be the nail in the coffin for for Mr Mourinho? Should, but it would be, and that's the worst part. I mean, I've been waiting for a conclusive nail in the coffin, but the problem is it just won't be while the Glazers are in charge. It's as simple as that. I mean, I mean you know, after the Juventus game, I thought you know all that nonsense with him cupping his ear. I actually quite like that. You know, a bit of confidence, a bit of arrogance. You know. But this is the worrying part. The thing I like most about the manager of my club at the moment is the circus that he's, he's presenting. So, oh, final nail in the coffin, Alan. Please, please, I pray to God it is. But deep down, I know it won't be. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it does look unlikely. I mean, even, you know, the, the thing with the fans, uh, the Juve fans... I understood what he was doing it and why he was doing it because, again, there are pictures, there are videos of fans spitting down on him and the whole lot. I mean, we, we know the Italian mm. fans have behaved disgracefully. I mean, you know, Juventus fans, even the club itself, I mean, it has so many question marks around it. But, you know, doing that, yeah, it was a show of bravery. But, you know, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's going to change. Listen, on the blue side, as good as it as as their win was and as good as they, they looked and they're looking to win the league again, OK, Liverpool are chasing hard, but they, they, they should be thrown out of the league themselves. They should be massively fined and sanctioned because they've not just been breaking rules, they just have been, you know, you know rolling them up, packaging them up, putting them into, a, into an envelope and sending them away. Well, I mean, I'm, not, I'm wary of this part because I'm, I don't want my allegiance to Manchester United to colour my judgment of the facts. Now, it does look damning, I agree with you, um, but we both know the whole world knows nothing's going to happen. The whole system is set up for clubs like them to get stronger and stronger. Um, Alan, you're right. They should do. On the basis of what I've seen, they shouldn't shouldn't be a club. But, unfortunately... We both stay strong. Will remain. Listen, can you can you just give our a background? I mean, I mean, I I I, I want to have a a, a a different voice given the background. So, what just what have Man City been doing now? Again, okay, Andrew, let's just put it in context here in Russia. All the clubs here are cheating in some way, shape, or form in terms mm-hmm. of getting around the financial fair play. But Man City have done it to just an absolute the nth degree, even better than PSG. What are they doing, Andrew? Well. I mean, they're doing what, like you mentioned, a lot of clubs over here and a lot of clubs around the world are doing, um, but on a ridiculous scale, that's the difference. Simply financial doping, I guess you would call it. Um, 
Etihad Stadium. Um, I don't know the exact numbers I've got in front of me, but whatever they are, are way, way above uh, what the actual value of the sponsorship would be to the stadium. Um, and um, I, I, I don't know how they do it, but they're using different ways of getting money to come into the club under a different guise. Um, it's... I want to be outraged. But the truth is, we know this is just what happens all throughout football today. On different levels, admittedly. But um, just the amount of wealth that they have coming into them is the difference. I mean, if you if you look at, say, for example, when Mancini was uh, managing, of course, Mancini, of course, ex-Zenit uh, boss as well, when he was managing them, um, he was getting, I think it was only 20% of his salary through the books of the club, and the other 80% was going, uh, as he was acting as a consultant to a TV channel. So basically, he was getting paid a huge amount of money, a lot of players doing the same thing, but they weren't being paid to play football, they were being paid to be a... Uh, um, brand ambassador and so on and so forth all with these like uh, Emirati companies so I mean and also of course you've got Mr. Mr. Pep Guardiola and Mr. PED or Performance Enhancing Drug Guardiola who's banned of course for, for doing drugs and then of course Man City are disappearing when they're being tested so I mean there's not just financial doping there's all other question marks around them as well well, yeah, I mean, we've seen the remarkable recovery of their players who apparently have injuries that should keep them out for two, three, four months, sent off to Spain, and amazingly, within a few weeks, they come back um, all ship-shaped. So, um, not that I'm suggesting any impropriety of certain doctors based in Spain, Alan, you understand? Um, I, I, um, I, yeah, I understand what you there. I mean, I, I, we, we, we might ask questions, we might pose those questions, but uh, I'm sure it's all legit, and of course, it, you know, that, uh-huh. that happens. Uh, Andy McLean is here beside me. He, he has a question for you on the uh, Russian uh, team selection, because of course Russia play this uh, actually mm. tomorrow evening against Germany. So, Andy, fire up to you. Hi, Andrew. Just a quick one on the, the young Russian being called up for his, uh, for his potential debut and the old Brazilian. What's your take on Ari potentially playing for Russia? Well, you know what? I don't really have that much of an issue in this individual case. Uh, I'm talking just purely on the argument of should naturalised players be able to play, simply because he has been here for the legitimate amount of time. Now, the fact that he's 32 years old and he's making his debut, it is concerning in a sense. But you, like you mentioned a few moments ago, he's on form. And uh, Chaloff and Ari are by far the most informed strikers. Uh, at the moment, so on that basis alone, they deserve a chance. Um, Charles, I'm more excited about, to be honest. I mean, what, what do you reckon with it now? With the uh, well, we've got like new trainers coming in all around. So you've got, of course, Chervichenko, the ex uh, Lokomotiv man. Uh, mm. He's he's in at Arsenal Tula, and then of course we have a very interesting man, Kononov, who's coming to Spartak. Um, how long will Kononov last? I mean, like, will he be given any chance at all? <laughs> Oh God, there's a there's a question. How long will any manager last at Sparta Moscow? Well, um, yeah. I think what what concerns me is that Kononov comes across as a very astute tactician, very polite man, and but that's what worries me is the fact that he's not a snarling pit bull. I mean, yes, to 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 be the man who will lead Spartak successfully under Fidun is virtually impossible. But you've got to you've got to be stronger. Um, in the end, Carrera didn't quite fit into Fedun's master plan. Personally, I think it was a massive mistake. Um, so Kononov, 
end of the season, I'll be honest. He deserves more because he's a very good manager. But um, it's Spartak Moscow we're talking about here. So um, I don't see much beyond next summer, really. So you reckon he'll be uh, a one-and-done kind of coach in there? Say again, sorry. You reckon he'll be a one-and-done, like one, you know, one season or one part of a season, and then he's, he's on his way? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. We know that if he was offered a job, he was always going to take it after Arsenal Tula. I mean, it is rude to Arsenal Tula, but there's no, it's no disrespect intended. Spartak are bigger. Um, so he was always going to accept it, and I think Fedu knew that. Um, so officially, he, well, unofficially, he was available, let's say. Let's put it that way. Um, who Spartak will get instead? I don't really know. Um, after Kononov being Russian, I imagine the way Spartak go from one extreme to the other, they'll go for a big-name, foreign, experienced European manager. Um, so, yeah, I, end of the summer is optimistic. Because, I mean, if you're looking, like, the, the Spartak fans started putting around that, uh, you know, or, well, some, let's say Spartak fans who are posing as journalists, as we always say, you know, they were putting out that it was um, uh, Arsene Wenger was going to come in and take over. They were seriously <laughs> pushing that. I mean, Ar- Arsene Wenger is, um, he's, you know, he's experienced, I would say, but he's not brain dead. I mean, he would never want to come in and take over that. Uh, but looking at the past weekend, I mean, you know, Spartak again, okay, they, they lost again. But Lokomotiv, you know, they've, they, they, they've struggled. They've been up and down. They had that uh, scoreless draw course in Rubin. With Xiomen, I mean, we'll be, maybe might be looking at a, another uh, Moscow club coach losing his job. Oh, well, I mean, I think he's starting to dig himself out of a hole in recent results. But even those recent results haven't been utterly convincing. Um, I think if the results keep coming, he'll he'll survive for now. But, I mean, who would they bring in instead? I I think maybe he'll be gone in the summer as well. Um, I mean, a few weeks ago, if you'd asked me, I would have said he'll be gone by Christmas, but... Um, I think if the results keep coming, and I think they might do, uh, I think he'll survive till next summer as well. Okay. Uh, and Andy has a, has a question about the uh, the England-USA game, especially with uh, Mr. Rooney uh, making his uh, English return. Yeah, Andrew, do you think it's justified? Obviously, he's a Manchester United legend, he's an England legend, mm. but obviously the, at the end of his career, it, it kind of all went downhill. Do you think this is a, a nice touch or it just shouldn't happen? I don't know. I'm a bit torn, really. I mean, when I read that it was supposed to be in aid of the Wayne Rooney Foundation or under that banner, I thought, well, you know what? It's a friendly. Nobody pays attention to friendlies anyway, so at least if some benefit comes out of it, then I'd say, yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, It depends what you actually look at friendlies for. If you actually look at them to improve the side or test out youngsters, then it is a bit silly. Um... In general, I think the idea of a game purely for a goodbye is a little bit, a little bit stupid, really, um, because it's so stage managed. But if it could be spun in a different way, like I say, for the charity, then that would make sense. What I read was that the FA are not contributing any of the ticket sales to the foundation, but having already sold it, supporting the Wayne Rooney Foundation, um, Christ, and well, that's idea. just. 
ridiculous. Well, I mean, let's let's be have testimonials, though, don't you? I mean, you, you do you, have testimonials. You could class this as a testimonial in, in a some way. Way. In a way, it is a testimonial. But at the same time, I mean, then it wouldn't mm. be. It's a full international. Like you'd you'd have like a England versus the USA All Stars or something the like that. Rest that of the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That kind of testimonial. Um, and before before I let you go, just one thing with the with this Scudamore thing, where all the outgoing Premier League chairman, so all oh, clubs okay. are asked to, to throw in two hundred fifty thousand pounds to a man who. Okay, he's overseeing great growth in the English Premier League, but also seen overseeing such massive scandals when they can't even give money to grassroots football. Um, you know, what's your take on that? It's a bit, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Um, in every single way, except one, it is just the pits of humanity. I mean, just like you mentioned, you could say grassroots football. You could even branch it out to all of the issues that need addressing, like understaffed hospitals in the country. You know, give the Premier League a bit of a PR boost. It'd be so, so easy. Um, now, the one area, and I don't really like saying it, but it is true, he, he's earned it. Yeah. It's, I know yeah. it sounds disgraceful, but he has made them so rich. Not, not, they, on yeah. a business sense, should bend over backwards to pay it for him because without him and the way he's driven the Premier League, these clubs and these owners would be far, far poorer. Exactly, exactly. Man, I from I think from ITV. Uh, listen, um, Andrew, before we let you go, uh, two documentary films that you would suggest all our listeners should watch. Well, I'm a Manchester United fan, so of course I'm going to say Class of 92. Um, but I actually do think it was a very well-made because you've got lots of good footage, you saw them all on an even footing around the table, um, all of a glass of wine, not David Beckham stealing the show. So that was good to see. Um, my second one, though, slightly lesser known, um, it's called In the Hands of the Gods. It was five freestyling footballers who bust from New York all the way to Buenos Aires um, purely by doing freestyling shows for money um, to try and meet Diego Maradona. Okay. And eventually two of them did. Um, it was absolutely brilliant. Really entertaining. I, I thought it was what happened to the other three. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just like died along the way. They were eaten by the others. Listen, Andrew, thank you so, so much. Andrew Flynn from Ronnie Dog Football. Brilliant as always. Really, really appreciate it. We're going to get you back in again soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Andrew. Okay, so we're going to go to the break right now. Before we do, we have Anastasia's written in saying, Good evening. I like any sports documentary film that gives me a different view on sports. She didn't name it, but, well, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Actually, it's wide, isn't it? That's pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we're going to come back in the third part with uh, our English Premier League, our Russian Premier League. We'll also have a chat, of course, with Alexander Zotov. And we're going to name our documentaries the ones that we reckon you should watch this Friday night when I'm sitting at home with a... Own. Yeah, with a <laughs> cup of tea and so. Nicky's just sneering at me here, <laughs> making fun of me here. Okay, we're going to go to the break. With a song that's going to heat up the night, Fizz, because I, I really know it only really from, of course, the World Cup. Uh, that was well took place five months ago five and four months ago and also from the fountains at the Europeeski shopping mall in Kievsky and so this is Natalia Orero and United by Love and we'll be back after the break Capital Sports with Alan Moore <laughs>
Квартира с отделкой в Новой Москве Жилой комплекс Южная Бунина От группы компании МИЦ Ищите нас по запросу Южная Бунина Или звоните 495-152-0505 ООО «Московский ипотечный центр МИЦ» Проектная декларация на сайте www.mitsdefizbunina.ru Бытовые вакуумные упаковщики «Касса» Продлевают срок хранения продуктов до пяти раз Защищают продукты от морозного ожога Экономят ваши деньги Двойной запаечный шов Съемная вакуумная камера Импульсный режим Более 10 моделей в ассортименте Официальный представитель «Касса» в России Компания «Комфорт Макс» Телефон 495-920 один But you guys had an experience in Plascard, didn't oh, you? Oh, we've got the full Plascard experience. It got more than we could ask for. I mean, the worst thing is like well, that. More that, that we can handle, actually. And so, of course, yeah. thank you to the man that made all this possible, Alan. 
Thank you very much. Okay, I thought you meant the man that was underneath you. On the and that man as well. He was underneath him. Okay. Sweet <laughs> and a cheeky smile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, before... <laughs> Peter has another story here that, that's behind that story because as I said, he was manhandled whoa, on the whoa, ground. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, that just sounded wrong, please. What happens on the door stays on tour. Okay, so again, plus seven nine two five one 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 zero five three. Send in your favorite sports documentary, favorite sports documentary film. We've had some in already. One, of course, uh, an agreement with you on Senna, Andy. Uh, what else do you? What else would you recommend watching? Um, for a bit of an out there one, sort of uh, old school look at athletics. There's a. Um, there's there's a very famous one that looks. It's by a director who's a, who was um, actually a Nazi, looking at the um, Jesse Owens Olympics. But there's another one that was done uh, called Tokyo Olympiad, which gives you a very behind the scenes look at the ups and downs of athletes and what really happens off the track. And it's quite an interesting sort of art house mix of sports documentary and yeah, quite quite a unique old fashioned look at what the the emotions and pain and it's good. That's good. Okay. Okay, Alex, what what have you got for us? Uh, all documentary I'd like to talk about is um, uh, the WWF uh, documentary about Andre the Giant. And although I've never seen this movie and I don't plan to, just one of those movies that like you see the poster and you're just like, the WWF's already a documentary, is it? Not? Yeah, it is. It's like well, no, it's fiction. Fiction. It's not. It's not real life. But Andre Giant was this like massive, massive French guy from Grenoble. I think he was just like yeah. a giant French guy who the died mountains. I just uh, an amazing a man fight. mountain. Yeah, a man mountain. Peter, what about you? What, what, what uh, would you suggest? I, I would. Uh, Mr. Hockey is is my pick. Mr. Hockey. It's a it's a it's a hockey document documentary about about this guy. Uh, I don't know if you know him, uh, Gordy Howe. Oh, of course, yeah, Mr. Hockey, of course, yeah, with yeah. the man with the elbow, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah Gordy yeah, Howe. Yeah, yeah, I hope yeah. he had two of them. Uh, yeah, he, he I knew him quite well. He was one of the highest scores of all time. And he played for I think, second actually, second, second after Gretzky, of course. Yeah, yeah. so uh, a great guy, really, really good guy. So like, very, very interesting. Gordy Howe, yeah, yeah. That's that's an interesting one. I have to have a look at that. Has have any of you seen Thirty for Thirty? The ESPN documentary. Oh, which one? There's like oh, it's a whole yeah. like three yeah, seasons yeah, yeah. of it. Yeah, the Pablo, the 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 Escobar's, Escobar's one. Exactly. The, the Escobar's They've got one, one really good. by the way. Just remember about the the Grey Steel Massacre, which is the one. Um, I think it's called Trick or Treat or something like that. It was like about that, the shooting in the bar. And they, they went into it and like how people are still suffering from about years later and so on. But they've got a, a, quite a lot. And one is very, very good to watch called 9.79. That is a time, of course, run by Ben Johnson, 1988 in Seoul. But it showed that of the eight finalists, the eight men who, you know, all ran the, the men's 100 meters final in the Seoul Olympics, seven of them had all failed doping tests. Including Carol Lewis, including Linford Christie, all the guys, every single one of them. And it went through it, and they had the American runners going, Well, yeah, we kind of did spike Ben Johnson's drink. They admitted it, and it was like, Oh my goodness. And now Ben Johnson's coming back to say, Now, like just in the last past two weeks, saying that, you know, he wants to try and get his medal back because they were all cheating. So it was just an amazing, amazing, amazing story. Um, quite a few of them as well are, are very good are from the American side of sports, whether it be basketball or from hockey, like the, the U from Miami University, the mm -hmm. Hurricanes. That's another great one. Okay, sorry, we've got 10 minutes. Okay, so then we better go across the phone. So we have Mr. Alexander Zotov, of course, who is the, he's a member of the uh, executive committee of the Russian Football Union, and he is the CEO of the football, the All-Russian Football Players Union. Alexander, good evening to you. Good evening. Uh, I want to jump in with uh, Gordy Hall right away. I mean, I don't understand the question. If you know him, Gordy Hall is known 
for not only being the second best scorer, but the oldest guy to play in the NHL, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he played together with his son. No, 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 but he quit NHL. He went to World Hockey League, and that's where he played with his yeah, son. Yeah, the Hartsville Whalers, yeah, 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 yeah. VHL, yeah. Well, who cares, but it was professional <laughs> hockey, course. and then they merged together afterwards. Well, I mean, the, and the, the Whalers then actually did come into the NHL yeah, a couple of years later. Yeah, but, they but did, then, when, like Edmonton. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, yeah, but remember when uh, his nemesis? I have a story also with uh, not with well, uh, Justin, but uh, uh, Carl Lewis. But next time, okay. No, no, far away, far away. We're waiting for it. Go on, go on. Peter, Peter, Peter's, no, Peter's it was really back. funny. It was uh, uh, Goodwill Games in in Moscow. You know the ones that were set up by Ted Turner. Uh huh. Like like after the boycotts of the eighties and eighty four, nineteen eighty and eighty four Olympics, he made a new tournament like the Olympic Games. And there was a uh, it one was held in Moscow and me and my friend we skipped in without any tickets to Luzhniki stadium <laughs> and between us we had one small swiss flag to cheer for the I mean, like and we made we we made us look like we were foreigners like we were from some country for the militia and everybody <laughs> and then we see the Carl Lewis starts walking in the tunnel and we and we start to say, Hey Carl Lewis, Carl Lewis and he turns to us and says, Hey guys and then and then the militia came. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what happened what happened afterwards I think we'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, well, well everything was okay actually. We were just thrown out of the stadium but it, <laughs> <laughs> we were just hold on. Alexander, do you really want to be telling that story live on air? I mean, for goodness sake. <laughs> just to move it on to a lighter note, yep. I'd just like to say 1980 Moscow Olympics will be the first and last time a Scottish person ever wins a sprint event. Well, clean, well, clean. Something good was done by, yeah. by the boy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, you know. If they were doing a documentary called 10.8, I can tell you he didn't. <laughs> it was like the Australian winning the short track tournament in, uh, I don't remember where, oh, but... but the Winter Olympics. <laughs> in Turin, wasn't it, when you all fell down? They all fell down. When so. everybody fell. <laughs> Listen, Alexander, just want to, uh, first I want to just ask you a question now. Of course, the, the weather's dropping down. We, we, we played this past weekend in Veronese and it was, it was okay. It was, you know, minus one, minus two uh, at, the, at the worst. But it's going to drop down very, very fast. And we have to call this, I think, Gaelic football. Possibly, yeah. possibly. <laughs> except, except, for, except for probably up in Donegal or something, or down in Kerry. But, you know, the, the temperature is dropping faster and faster and faster, and it's going to be very, very bad quite soon. Um, wh where are we right now with the fight to get you know players playing in more normal conditions and, and not getting them out there when it's minus 10, 15, and 20? Well, first of all, a good time to change the tires. <laughs> to winter. Uh, but actually, no, we have, we have set some limits uh, last year. Uh, unfortunately... It's still not decided by the players, by the administration of the club, whether to play or not. But we're the first country to introduce such uh, strict, I mean, some levels of temperatures of plus and minus temperatures where, where you can play or where you can decide not to play. Was that forced after, was it Ignashevich that broke his leg in Khabarovsk? Well, th there were several cases also, yes, in Khabarovsk, but before that we had uh, Petr Bustrov in Rubin who, who fell uh, after a huge uh, uh, raise in temperature and there was a lot of humidity and everything. So, so it's actually both sides. It's not only about cold weather, but it's also about extremely warm weather. 
Okay, I, I mean, there are, those extremes, I mean, we, we, we have to manage them better for players because, of course, you know, you've always been looking for the welfare players and, you, and we've said it, you said it privately as well, that it just, it, it gets too much. I mean, we are looking at injuries and, you know, poor health as well, especially when players are playing in cold weather, when clubs haven't been paying insurance premiums as well, so it makes it even worse. No, and we, we what we did. I mean, you're correct. We what we did. It was done together with uh, Eduard Bezuglov, the, uh, the head doctor of all Russian football and the national team, and he's the head of the medical committee. A young guy who runs marathons and, and really knows about health and, uh, and and athletes' health a lot. And and he said that it's already uh, uh, scientifically proven that if you play. In minus 10, 15, minus 20, and you breathe a lot, you you you, you make uh, irreturnable damage to your health, to your lungs, to your uh, bronchs. Also, there's a lot of damage that can be done to your muscles. And I mean, you're it's, you have you're running under a much more a higher level of risk when you're playing in such temperatures. That that's just that's. That's shocking, Alexander. I, mean, I do irreparable damage every Monday when I play in normal conditions. Actually, the same same research is being done now in the NFL in the, in the states because sometimes guys there play in the really Michigan, extremely cold. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can see them when they have the heaters yeah. on the sideline. Can, and, yeah, and again, they're, they're they're also studying this question and examining. I mean, it's it's a long way probably for them also to to go, but still, uh, they're thinking about it and maybe. Maybe reschedule it somehow the, the the league and everything, but it's it's also a commercial question. But still, well, you've you've, you've actually just brought it back in now, or led me into my next question. So a big win uh, for your Washington West Redskins last weekend against the Buccaneers away, yeah, sixty-three. Yeah. yeah, that's that, that's a good one. Tampa are not that bad, but you've got the Texans now at home uh, this week. Of course, it's a big game on CBS on Sunday at nine o'clock on uh, nine o'clock uh, Moscow time. You're six and three right now, top of the NFC East. The playoffs are very, very reachable, aren't they? Possible, yeah. I think, yeah. We we need to win one game and or two games in the next several games. So, I mean, the, the Texans so I are good. The Texans are six and three as well, but they're they're not that great on the road. We'll see. I mean, it's hard to predict. I'm I'm always, you know, cautious about Redskins and. The same attitude I had in the 80s when the, when I was sure that there would beat anybody, you know, San Francisco 49ers with, uh, uh, with, with, with what's the game, Joe Montana and... and oh, the 49ers and, and, when he led them up the field, yeah. And Dolphins yeah. with Dan Marino and, you know, because we had Joe Theismann, but, but still, but still, uh, I'm, I hope everything goes well. Texans are a strong team, but Washington can perform. I hope so too. Listen, uh, Alexander, before we let you go away, I want to ask you um, about uh, your favorite, if your two favorite sports documentary movies. What, what, what would you suggest to our listeners or our listeners to sit down and watch this weekend? Like documentary, documentary, yeah. Yeah. or uh, bi- biopics. Well, uh, well, no, I say documentary more than nothing else. We're we're talking documentary. We're talking about thirty for thirty and so on. So, what what documentary film would you say that people would be well worth watching? Well, I like- I like the movie about the 1972 hockey series. If we were talking about hockey series between yeah. the U.S. and Canada, that that that's a good one. I like different inspirational documentaries about I don't know Michael Jordan or or guys like that. I mean, O.J. Simpson. 
Oh, <laughs> that's a, that's a great one, yes. depending which period of his life. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I watched the I watched the trial. Wow, I think we all watched <laughs> the trial. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is he goes on parole this year, doesn't he? Exactly. He does. Okay, smoking the bandit. Well, smoking the bandit is a good one. It's it, Alexander. Thank you very much for joining. So we we, we left you hanging on for a while, but thank you so much okay. as always. Uh, and again, keep fighting the good fight, and we'll see you very soon. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Alexander. Right. Okay, so that was Alexander Zotov, the a member of the Russian Football Union uh, Executive Committee and, of course, the CEO of the All-Russian Football Players Union. So we are ready to go away. We have Anastasia, who has won. Anastasia won, because she left it quite general, but fair play, she won, correct, Nikki? Yeah, yes. she won, okay. So we have lots of other ones. We also won uh, Les Bleus, is a French one, about the French team. Yeah, a really, good. really good one to, work, uh, to watch. Um, Small Potatoes one that I just got in. That's about the USFL. Donald Trump killed it. Watch it. Small Potatoes, Who Killed the USFL, about Donald Trump, how he absolutely broke, broke American football. Okay, so we're going to go away. So we'll let Mr. Spicy Guacamole say goodbye. So, Alex? Uh, goodbye and uh, happy Spicy Guacamole Day. Okay, Peter P? Hey, thank you for having me again. Okay, well, we didn't have you. Well, someone else had you down in Vronish, but okay, that's what we're No, 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 we'll leave that there. I'm joking, of course. Andy, thank you very much. Oh, Andy, a bet for this week. Quick bet. What I'll do, uh, what I'll do this week is, as people are bored of the international break, I'll text, one, I'll, I'll tweet one out every day during the international break with a tip. Super duper, okay. We'll be re- retweeting that, of course, with the Capital FM as well. Nikki, say thank you very much. We will say goodbye now. Thank so you, you, Alan. Won't, you won't yes. have to panic. You won't panic. And, of course, no one tricked me today, so everything's nice and kind, nice and good. So again, tomorrow will be five months, four months, sorry, since the World Cup final. So enjoy the week of sports ahead. We're going to go out with Roy Keane's favourite song. This is the Frank and Walters. And after all, we'll touch you guys next week. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.